This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Whakatane by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia Sam. How's it going? Going very well indeed. What is the plan for the weekend? Um, Mountain biking, just for something completely different. <laughs> I could just put that on repeat. <laughs> yeah, that's all we do on the weekends. Find a new mountain bike park so that I can sit outside and read a book and Jack can go and do crazy jumps that I don't have to watch. It's perfect. How about you? I think the rain is going to stop. The rain has stopped. Um, Some walks on some beaches, I think. That sounds lovely. And making progress on a paper about decolonising computing education. Oh, I could do that while I'm sitting in the car. Oh, good, because it's due next week. Okay, yeah, I definitely need to do that then. (laughs) And who are we introducing today? It is my great pleasure to introduce Kirsten McLaughlin. Kirsten's originally from Taranaki and now living in Australia. She's a learning and development specialist and an ocean swimmer like you, Sam, uh, and is currently, uh, like me, uh, complete uh, completing her Master of Professional Practice at Otago Polytech. What a cool journey. I loved my Master's. Welcome, Kirsten. It is a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. Great to be here, virtually. So- Welcome, Kirsten. Where are you, Kirsten? I, I am looking out at the ocean in Manly Beach, Australia, and um, it's a lovely blue sky day, but pretty cold. Maybe not as cold as New Zealand, Aotearoa. Don't talk to us about cold. You're, what's the water temperature? Uh, 16.8, still pretty cold. Is that like Otago? I can understand that, that is, that's not in the 20s, but that's warmer than we have. The Wakatapu was eight degrees last week or a couple of weeks ago. Wow. So we've been asking people how their bubble life was, even though that's now turning into history. We're going to carry on doing it. How was your bubble life? Uh, I, I mean, it's always good to reflect back at the time. It never, I find sometimes it doesn't seem so wonderful. But if I look back, it's definitely a great turning point. Uh, I had, to be honest, lost my mojo and was chatting to a fellow Kiwi who had been doing work with Capable New Zealand. And um, we were talking about how I really wasn't feeling excited just working in learning and development. Um, I'm always, always been passionate about human potential, but uh, had spent about eight, nine years up the coast, uh, took the kids and tried to live the New Zealand lifestyle with warmer weather, Ballinge and Byron Bay area, had horses and goats and chickens, organic gardening, and then sort of came back and got back into what I was doing and just wasn't as excited about it. And he mentioned this Masters of Professional Practice. And so I had time. I actually wasn't working. I sort of quit a 
contract and then COVID hit and there I am sitting at home thinking what am I going to do with myself for six months and I thought I might start a master's so at first I, I remember saying to them I'm not, I don't know I don't think I've got my mojo and through the course of the through the program I feel like I've really gotten a lot of clarity and I'm really excited about some of the things I'm looking to do in my professional practice um, so able to incorporate nature systems in with human potential. It's a bit of a big concept and still working through it onto course three. And I'm sure by the end of the masters, it will all be very, very clear. But in the meantime, I'm having a ball and feeling really excited about, you know, the way that you can nowadays uh, incorporate nature back into um, the way in which we work, especially because I always like working from home and it's been the best thing for me, um, especially being able to walk out and go for a swim in the ocean in between. Yeah. Have those two threads, that learning and development and the the ecology, the nature stuff, have they always been there for you, but they've been separate? Yeah, yeah. I always felt like I was living sort of two lives. And maybe, you know, 20, 30 years ago, everybody felt like that. I, I've been a career coach. I've been a facilitator. I've worked with lots of different concepts, but I, I feel like most people just accepted that. And then now I think we all really want to, um, well, I do, I want to, incorporate what I'm about and I think it was being that Kiwi kid um remember as I got the chance to ride horses and ride a bareback horse to school with cousins Taharoa um the middle of nowhere and and just have this freedom as a kid in nature with how wild it is and I think that had such an impact on me and then you know growing up being an adult getting into other stuff to do with people I just always felt like it was separate stuff but now I think we can incorporate it we want more natural workplaces we want to balance out how we live and work it's all you know merging into one and I think it's a good time let's take the first of your music choices let's have a melody gardo morning sun why this one well, um, when I did get back to Manly, I felt like I was chasing my tail. I felt like I had I had all these dreams. When I was up the coast, I was wanting to do an eco village. I had this eco business. I had all these things that were to do with nature. And I was using my education background to run tours and workshops on bamboo through, uh, through Bali and Asia. And it all seemed pretty good. Um, but yeah, just a series of events occurred and um, my mum actually passed away and my sons ended up leaving and, you know, they were heading into their age of leaving, but still everything seemed to just be lost all at the same time. And I sort of crawled myself my way back to Sydney and, um, and when I moved back to Manly, you know, I, yeah, I was dealing with a lot and I used to, it was just, my mum had passed away and it was just going to be the anniversary, maybe two years of her death. And this song popped up and I felt like it was my mum saying these words to me. And it actually really reflected where I was at in life. It was like, I am waking up this morning, listening to the song and there's the ocean and the morning sun is coming and it's coming to greet me. So you'll hear the words. And if you just try and picture a girl hearing some lovely words from her mother um, saying, you know, you are you, you're great. No, you're wonderful. You're going to do it. It's going to be fine. You know, it was sort of like a, a great sense of hope because I had changed my lifestyle again so big, so so radically that I just was feeling a little bit lost. So yeah, it was perfect time timing song. That must be one of the greatest introductions we've had to a song. Let's go.
out that sunny morning waiting on us now There's a light at the end of the tunnel We can be very free Just take it from me Honey child, let me tell you now child That morning sun is here to greet us With a loving light so warm That morning sun is here to meet us gonna quit till you're smiling now let me tell you child let me tell you honey child that morning sun has come to greet you she's peeking around the corner just to win just to meet you shining down on Let me tell you, child Let me tell you, honey, child Cause this world wasn't made for dreaming This world wasn't made for you This world made for believing In all the things you're gonna do now
Kirsten, we talk a lot on the show about um, about critical thinking ability, uh, about connection to futures, um, about the disconnect that we that so many of us see between our kids and the and the natural world. Um, and it seems to me that you're building those connections back. And in doing so, is that do you think that's going to go towards solving those problems of this lack of critical thinking that seems to be plaguing our well, just people generally these days. Yeah, I, I've got these six principles and it's taken a lot of critical thinking to get to the point of, well, these seem to be common themes and, and it's all about nature. So um, I'll go, I'll skip to the third one. It's the unknown. And and ocean swimming, for example, as adults is been has been a perfect uh, way of seeing how important the unknown is. So as an adult, we go to the ocean. And when I first started ocean swimming, you know, you go, oh, my God, am I going to be eaten by sharks? So you think, oh, I might, you know, go with a couple of people when I might stay close to the rocks. And slowly over time, you're you're facing the unknown, but you've got some things in place. But the unknown of the ocean is profound. Like you don't know what you're going to see next. You don't know what to fish. You end up coming out like little children going, oh my God, I saw this and I saw that. And how was that? And how was this? And the wave was pretty big, wasn't it? But I survived. And um, it's like, I got to see how adults can be like kids. And it's that unknown that we love so much. And then I noticed the people I'm hanging out with in Manly Beach, their passion for nature um, seems to just make them very playful and light, able to deal with a lot. I ended up meeting a Kiwi guy um, who is heading UNICEF, um, and he he has major issues going on. Like he was probably we never knew any of this. He was dealing with um, all of the vaccination things going on in the world and everything and you know he'd just show up and swim and seemed like such a laid-back guy and you know you only then started to realize once you got to know him that he's dealing with big issues but I think his ability to have that balance of um, you know facing the unknown through ocean swimming um, was just a perfect example of how we can cope really well as adults if we um, embrace nature as a big part of our life. So trying to then turn that into, you know, how can that become an educational or a, a way that we can connect people again to nature is, yeah, a big quest of mine. Um, you know, I've done all the science behind the benefits of getting back into nature, the negative ions of ocean and forests, it's called terpenes and bamboo, they called it anion. So it's wellness air that physically affects us so we're getting that we're also getting um, the unknown is the thing that then helps us be resilient it helps us go I can cope with this and I trust in myself and I yeah I need a few safer parameters if I'm starting out on my journey like swimming in an ocean um, but then I slowly let go of those and then I can do more and more and then you know one day I find myself swimming right across the bay by myself um, in the ocean you know and it's really deep and I can't see the bottom and I'm like when and how did that happen and it came from starting to embrace the unknown so I want to use you know that's one of the six and it's like well, what is that about you know we don't know what the future holds in our workplaces we don't know you know we didn't know we we're all going to be stuck in little closet offices working <laughs> you know maybe we need a few plants so we can get some fresh air while we're working otherwise we're going to be absolutely zonked so um, you know there's so much to what nature's offering to give us that balance um, my body has changed in the last two years it's gotten a bit flabbier and I think because I'm sitting so much you know like 
I'm just sitting like a, you know, like one of those apes from the beginning of man's creation where we're just leaning over on a laptop. So, you know, I, I go for a walk if I can. I try. Remember, go for a walk at lunchtime, you know, go for a swim, go for a run. I get out there in nature and it doesn't have to be lucky. I've got the ocean, but, you know, even in a park or something just makes a huge difference to our well-being. Um, so, yeah, it's a biggie. I'm like living it now because um, I have to because I don't want to get too flabby. <laughs> How do we how do we use that to for to work with our kids? So um, I've observed um, that for a lot of our kids, climate anxiety is such a huge thing that's influencing their lives right now and their thinking, um, because they they're faced with a problem that they don't have the tools to solve. So and it's not to say they won't, because actually what we should be doing is 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 enabling them with the ability to have some tools to solve. But how do we get them past that stage of this is scary and I don't want to look at it through to, OK, this is what I want to do to help try and make a difference? I think um, we've sort of headed into a world that was very mechanical and, and conceptual. So, you know, our kids are trying to face big conceptual ideas and feel like it's this big machine and how am I going to fix that? Um, but really, like, if you really look at nature, nature is a default of well-being. You know, I don't have to think about the sun coming up. I don't have to think about, you know, all the planets working perfectly to not bang into each other. You know, uh, once you really sort of drop into what nature is, you start, feeling this addictive, um, contagious sense of well-being. And I think that's the first step, you know, as we get that, we're then feeling optimistic. We're feeling, hey, I might just try one thing in my own life, for example, rather than trying to solve all the problems of the world. It's the detachment. Um, so my second principle is connection versus separation. So everything in nature is connected and we feel separate. You know, we feel like I'm an individual and I've got some family, but, you know, we've got some problems and I don't like my boss or, you know, my teacher's not very nice. And, um, you know, those people over there, the Russians, you know, at this time, you know, they're really bad and they used to be the, those other people. All of that stuff is separation. So, again, I'm, I, I got the concept around connection. What is that? You know, the fact that a, a salmon comes all the way from the ocean, goes all the way up the Canadian rivers right to the top. And then just from the bears eating that and the bears then going and do, letting loose uh, in the forest, you know, that then helps the fungi. And then it's actually the salmon residue that then fixes the forest and so yeah I, I want to share more stories you know more stories of people and the transformation that nature does but also the stories of just the beauty of nature and and then I've got another one that's about attract so I pretty much the first one is flow um, so when you're in flow rather than force you know most people think I've got to work hard. I've got to finish school. I've got to get my marks. I've got to, I've got to, got to, got to, got to. And it's just an ugly energy to be in. Um, when you're in flow, you're like that surfer in the ocean who knows it's a massive wave, but I better not resist this or force anything. I've got to go with it. And then, whoo, the exhilaration that comes from that. So um, I, I feel like, yeah, I'm really passionate about these six, uh, one to do with the track. So rather than, so there's a track, then a create, then intuit is the ultimate. And so I'm trying to talk about how we've been encouraged to create, we've been encouraged to force, make happen, build, fix, solve problems, you know, help with the climate. And yet, unless we're, what well, there's a lot of more proof in quantum physics and it's to do with um, our alignment, our frequency, like a radio station. Unless we're tuned into something, we're not going to connect. 
So the idea is before we even go out and try and solve the problems of the world or even in our own life is to actually say, well, what's my energy frequency at? Am I happy? You know, and even that some people think is impossible. Um, but you could actually just have five things you're grateful for. And often nature gives that instantly. Wow, look at that bird. Look at that tree. Look at that ocean wave. And then you start feeling better. When you're feeling better, then you're optimistic and then you're actually, you find that it's easy to get some great ideas and have the energy and the enthusiasm to do something. Um, but ultimately, yeah, I don't think we're meant to be solving big problems of the world. When we start doing things ourselves, you know, getting ourselves into a state of being that actually then attracts some really interesting, cool ideas or people in our life or situations, we start having a massive impact. And um, yeah, there's some really cool stuff around that, that, you know, someone like Gandhi, he managed to sort of challenge the whole of the British Empire by being in a state of being, they're saying. It wasn't that he had great ideas and great ways he talked. He actually fasted at one point and was prepared to fast till he died until they stopped fighting and from this what I'm calling you know I don't like to use two two out there words with corporate because I work I'm using these concepts in business but yeah his frequency his vibration has that actually had an impact on millions of people and and that's I, I suppose what I'd love to do with children is to say once you get your state of being really good um, you'll be amazed how much impact you have even if you're just doing one simple thing like smiling in another person you could have such an impact that that person you know does some stuff um, I feel like that's that's what we need to hear and we just kept get, getting bombarded with that sort of old world I think of a mechanical view on life when we're not we're connected we're flowing you know we're all of these six principles and ultimately we can become an intuit I like that word like because I'm part Maori my mum's Maori she was a Maori teacher so mana you know is a biggie for me in this whole concept you know the way that we care for land and people is actually what gives us our power and our prestige and so that's the balance of what I'm trying to do. You know, it's nature and it's people. And as we do that well, we then increase our power and our mana and we can have an impact in whatever thing we're doing in life. Like my granddad, um, you know, he was a really bad dad, um, but he was a wonderful granddad and he loved me. And that was just, that was one of the biggest things that helped me in my life. So that's the small stuff that makes huge impact and can change the world. And ultimately the climate stuff, I find when people shift their consciousness, they're more conscious of where, what rubbish, you know, what they do with nature, whether they want to pollute or, you know, like it, it's got to start from within with our own particular vibration. How do we get people to look up from their devices to to notice that the sun is shining and the birds are singing and there's flowers there How, because it it seems to be that everybody's looking down and every social thing I go to at the moment every conference every everything everybody's stuck on their box mm -hmm. on that mechanical thing on that digital thing on the, on that machine that captures them and they're just not looking up to see how do we move that and can we move that with adults or is that something we just have to focus on with our kids yeah um I I feel like 
I'm into the idea of non-duality that both good and bad, um, you know, contrasts are actually what we need. And so I met a guy when I was living on the Seco village who was Japanese and he was one of those kids who st got stuck in his room on computer technology and never left the room and his parents just, just give him food and stuff. And just one day he just thought that's it. And so he just traveled around the world and got to Australia and now lives on this village and doesn't use any technology. <laughs> that's one extreme, but you know, we're, if we trust in our children and ourselves and everyone that there's something in us that just sort of gets it you know something will happen and it's often the contrast we get sick or we get depressed or something happens and someone then says something I, I just I feel like it's more about building more and more trust in the capacity of people and then living an example of it without judgment a big thing that happened in my journey was going, leaving the city, going on the land, you know, being off grid, um, you know, milking cows and not needing much money to survive and eating lots of salad. <laughs> and then um, being judgmental, though, I took all that to the to the bush to the you know I was we we're in the middle of nowhere but I was full of judgment I was like oh those city people oh that government oh that you know and that judgment doesn't attract it doesn't make people be inspired by me it makes them go oh you're just so judgmental of me that I live in the city or something so I had to let then let go of all of that so it's life is just a really cool journey but the the more we connect again and the more we um do those things and just live the example of it so now now i think the best thing i could do in my day is actually smile and engage with people and then people who are on, are on their phone you can find a little moment when they're not and then you give them a smile or you might crack a, a joke or something and that, i think that's a kiwi thing i do think kiwis have got some cool I, you know you guys might think oh you know people aren't connected but compared to a lot of places New Zealanders do luckily a lot of the kids have had that connection like I had as a kid to nature and that's what makes us champions of you know wanting to be really for the environment so just got to live the example I suppose. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokanui, Dunedin's favourite goddess Tahu Mackenzie. I hope you're all having the best day beautiful superstars in your beloved universes I really hope wherever you are Whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more each day. Who you are, a triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique in here, making things better. Thank you. Now I know that for us all, the last more than two and a half years have been very challenging. So it's so important that we encounter ourselves and one another in the spirit of love, compassion, care, kindness, understanding, empathy at all times. We've all had to develop new ways of doing, being, seeing, feeling in this time. And it is hard to do this and it's important to recognise that. Of course when we head out into the world as we can now, there are so many people that we can encounter, that we can connect with, that we can really enjoy the process of learning from. And each person, including ourselves, of course, is the whole universe. We've just seen photographs of the farthest reaches of the universe from the James Webb telescope, which is wonderful. And of course, this is reflected in our own lives, in our own interactions. And this complexity, this multiplicity of uniqueness, these differences, all of these things, make us who we are 
But within that, of course, there's commonality and we can enjoy that. That sense of oneness, that sense of belonging, that sense of acceptance, that sense of never needing to feel alone. That with all life, we are co-evolving in an infinite web. And when we need to, we can always find that sense of connection and phenomenatonga, that we are one. I know for myself, in working with the living world, for the last 17 years, I've been very fortunate to encounter so many beautiful life forms. Sea stars, octopus, kaka, takahe, all of these creatures, many of whom are so endangered, it's very rare to see them now. Now, kiokia, the peripetus, all of these beautiful, beautiful, special creatures. And my favourite thing, of course, has been to connect human animals with them. To have that time with children, where they have a sense of wonder about the world, to be able to engage with that. Their whānau, their parents, their mum and dad, their friends, their grandparents, all these people that have brought them to Orokanoe or to events that we've run. It's very special for me to have this time with them. I have shared in this moment of wonder with them and I've been so lucky. So I really hope for you, wherever you are and whatever's happening around you, you're having the opportunity to connect with people and places and spaces and times that really inspire you, that remind you of the beauty of your own life, your own being and allow you to fully embody and inhabit this time that we are in, as much as it is challenging, as much as there's so many aspects that of course we can give our time and energy to transforming. It's also a precious time, a time where we can really enjoy those opportunities to be together, to celebrate the beauty of the world that surrounds us to celebrate the beauty of the connection that we can share. And I'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much. Kakite. Thanks so much. Kakite. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Kirsten McLaughlin. Kirsten, some of the work that you have done, you describe as designing the new world of work. How do you think that that world has been affected by the last couple of years? Um, well, that's a big question. <laughs> so the new world of work. I've always just like been not into the mechanical way that the world was. So, you know, I got into learning and development and got into how we could we promote the idea of better ways that we treat our people. So it all started out there and then we moved forward. Um, and then there was a sort of before COVID, there was this like, we should do more flexible learning and people should be able to work from home. But then the micromanagers, control managers were like, no, I won't know what my people are doing. And then luckily this big catastrophe pandemic happened, not luckily, but anyway, it did happen. And then all of a sudden those micromanagers couldn't control their people anymore and had to just let go. And then we all got that chance to go, hey, maybe I don't have to live in a city or maybe I can do this and that. So the world of work has just been changing, but um, yeah, it's, it, it is from the initiatives of showing that we've got to treat our people well 
And if we treat them well, then they'll be more productive. So if you're in a profit environment, you go, great, we've got to do that because we want more profit. Or if you're in a government environment, well, we better do that because we've got to look after people. Um, so I, I just think that it's heading into a really optimistic, exciting time. And even though I was very much into environmental issues, you know, and seeing, I, I don't focus anymore on problems. I, I see it as a contrast. And then I go, what could a solution be? straight away and even when people are talking about a problem I actually see it now as you can either talk about what is and make it keep happening or you can observe what is and go well I'm noticing what I don't want about that and then shift straight away into okay I'm setting intention now to find a solution here and and wait be patient because it might be someone tells you someone gives you a book or something happens but it's not like you're going to walk around going, hey, everybody, I've got the solutions to everything. You know, you may not have it straight away, but intentions for the solutions are good. And so, yeah, this new world of work is just continuing on. I'm I'm just a really extreme optimist. The only thing I think is a problem now is I have to try not to be too excited and enthusiastic about life because people think I'm, I'm crazy. <laughs> I was about to ask, that we started out with the theme of this show being positive but not deluded but in the last few months somebody <laughs> convinced us to add a dash of deluded do you think that there is you know or, or to start with where does that positive mindset come from you and how do you manage that that balance of that criticality and the sort of i was going to say creative or deluded but that 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 different side of things um i think use it, having nature be my best friend helped because I noticed, you know, I've been in the world of human potential and I thought I could master knowing everything about how to deal with people so I could get along with them. And then I just got into an eco village, a dysfunctional one, and realized these people don't like me and they're not going to like me. Whereas when you're at work, they have to like you. When you're with your family, they have to put up with you. I was actually put in a situation where I thought I knew all these great techniques to get along with people. So I just let it go. And I remember one time, being so troubled by some of the dysfunctional human things going on in this village, I, I went over and I just hugged a tree. <laughs> so, and I remember this woman further away looking at me as I'm hugging my tree crying. Um, but I thought, you know what, this is where I get my solace. And I started to go more within and also with nature. I started to go for a walk. I heard if you go for a walk, you won't feel the same when you get back. So I find when I can sit and look at the ocean or when I, I, I use nature to, to give me my well-being and my strength, and then I deal with people. Um, and so I find that that, that nature basis is is my key to everything um even when i'm feeling depressed and nothing's going to go right um it's a solace so that's the thing that's the balance like people are just trying to please each other too much and you know we're barely pleasing ourselves how can we please each other um you know we're unpredictable how can they predictably give us what we need you know it's just just a it's it's the thing that yeah uh, isn't good so i don't know what was the question again going am i delusional <laughs> um you can get a lot of joy from just being in a state of gratitude and before you open your eyes in the morning thinking about 10 things you think before at the moment it's my flannelette sheet love them <laughs> <laughs> how do you begin with this conversation when you if you're in a corporate and you've, you've got a group of people in front of you that have been sent along to some workshop on i don't know how it's described on, on working better or we can create better organizations or something how do you broach this this subject this concept 
I haven't quite introduced this exact thing to the corporate world, but let's say I got involved with the first lot of wellbeing programs. Um, I think it's just use something that people are familiar with and then extend it. So um, at the moment, for example, my concept, natural human design, is an, an extension on what they call in corporate human-centered design. So it's not like I'm going to go, hey, we've got this really cool thing. It's all about nature. Woo. It's actually, okay, we've, we've realized that as we center around what a human wants, we create better solutions. And this is uh, saying, well, there's actually nature has very consistently good solutions um, if we tap into that. So let's do the two together. Um, so yeah, that would that's always been my approach. Um, I have tried to be radical and inspire through enthusiasm and people just look at me yeah like I'm delusional because they don't get it um you know because <laughs> you gotta if someone's on a certain frequency I think I feel um you, you can only go a little bit differently you have to start where they're at and also then just take it a little bit further you can't just jump too far like make someone swim in the ocean by themselves you know they've got to swim safely first trust you then you can take it a little bit further Let's take the second of your music tracks. Let's have a Mitten and a Diva Pramal. So much magnificence. Why this one? Oh, it's, I just crank it on with my AirPods as I'm walking along the beach and it's about the ocean. <laughs> so there is so much magnificent near the ocean. Um, it's, you know, when you listen to great music and it, get, it gets you in the zone and then, yeah, all you have to do is look to, oh, I'm looking to my left at the ocean and whoa, I start feeling amazing. And I just, you know, that if that's in my morning, I just, it's hard for me to, I call it momentum. It's hard to break that momentum in my day. Someone might say or do something really horrible. Um, and somehow I, the ocean, the song has really kept my momentum so strong that I'm not going to get be deviated um, by people in situations that do pop up. There is so 
such an incredibly beautiful positive approach to life and um and a way of sharing it with others they can pinpoint where it's come from uh in their and you know in their growing up years or where, where has this come from for you oh i've been maori like i had some really family whanau so i don't really look that maori because my dad's scottish background um, but my mum raised us as a single mum and she was a teacher and she's a Māori teacher in our primary school. Originally she was living in Wellington and being really radical with all of that, the protests going on and everything. I was in the big march that went from Auckland to Wellington and, you know, it was a cool, radical times. Um, but I think one day she was, we were watching the news and people were getting arrested and she was part of all that. And I said, mum, what will happen if you get arrested? Who's going to look after us? And so she took us back to our little town. And so she was like a great big personality. She used to wear amazing clothes. And her best friend and cousin was Hana Tehemara. So um, that was her first cousin. Like, And so we just had all these radicals. Um, so I felt 
like I feel like my my strength comes from not actually knowing that things were impossible because I was just surrounded by these very strong charismatic Maoris who are just making a change during you know the new Maori department and you know the Tim Tim Maori um, the first Maori exhibition and Almarai and, and Waitara where I'm from is so beautiful it's got some Maori pomare and a statue there and we have these big events and it's got all the carving I just like it was all normal to me and so when I became an adult you know and I actually came to Australia when I was 19 I followed a, a bad boyfriend <laughs> and anyway ended up here because I like the weather um yeah I, I felt like wow I've got this you know and and it was yeah very much about nature but also about this ability to believe that you can create change there's no limits but I, I've actually found I've had to soften because I came from quite radical family line and and people used to find me a bit obnoxious <laughs> so I actually had a dream that my great-grandmother she has a moko and she was a tohunga in the dream she said you will be seen as kind and I woke up in the morning and thought yeah right in this lifetime I'm supposed to challenge system I'm supposed to make change and then you know that's when all that stuff happened before I came back to Manly that humbled me to my knees and and, and then I in Manly actually I'm noticing the kindness and I'm also I'm working on a contract right now with a large government department and the people are really kind and I see so much change can happen for kindness and then now I actually think people do actually see me as kind <laughs> but I still laugh because I think I didn't think that was what I was supposed to be destined to be someone kind but um, yeah, that's my my influence has been yeah that Maori lineage uh, the, the the land. Papatuanuku and um and now the kindness stuff you know softening it is actually really really helping me be more impactful with what I'm wanting to do is kindness a thing we can teach uh I I I used to do this thing with my kids um called virtues it was I was became a virtues facilitator and used to do it with kids and call it kids for peace and so what we did was we have you call someone to something so we incorporated you know kindness and so we had um your house your house you got to be gentle so they weren't allowed to punch each other these two boys <laughs> um kind words and loving and then respect respect differences so those were the four things but we had to we were all allowed to call each other to it so when I'm thinking I'm being this calm mum my sons now and again will go mum please be kind you're not being kind you know and I'm like I was heated, you know, and I thought I was fine. You know, like, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then when they pull me to it, I go, well, yeah, actually, I'm losing it. Um, I think we worked on it. And my kids are kind now. They've both got, um, they're 22 and 24, and they've got girlfriends, and they've had them for two years. And I just watch how they talk to each other. And there's such kindness, I think. So I think, you, yeah, you need to learn it. Because what happens is we will naturally react to, you know, an emotion if we're not aware of how to manage ourselves. So what about, I grew up when a lot of boys in my town Maori, mostly Maori. I'm not saying, I'm just saying there was violence, you know. And so the first thing the guy does is hit and then he starts hitting his girlfriend, you know, and he doesn't want to, but it's just, yeah, you gotta gotta start learning it somewhere. And I think we have to model it and encourage it in the way in which we talk to each other. In environments where kids are being raised with an absence of kindness, where it's not being modeled for them every day, how does how do we bring that into education um, in a way that sticks for them? 
Um, I don't really work in children education, but my mum and dad did, so I can make some assumptions. Um, I mean, I look at my mum. I, I was from a small town. I used to be in the high school, for example, when I had got a headache, so I'd go over and I was allowed to go and sit in her class. She had special needs children and also did the Māori uh, education. The weird thing was she was actually really firm. She had very clear guidelines. And that actually, I thought, was the kindness because she they knew they felt safe. If they did this and that, they were safe. And whereas the unpredictability of the behaviours of some adults make children not know what, what they're doing, you know. So um, I think, you know, clear boundaries is a haven and a safety for children who might not have that at home. Uh, and then you do it with love. And she did it firmly, but she then really loved them. They all called her auntie and, you know, they felt so loved and they had a chance to prove that they're okay because they knew the boundaries. And I think that was the, one of the biggest things I learned. So I've been quite a firm parent, for example, but it's been done with love, but you've got to give them boundaries. Like what's safe? What's not safe to do here? Otherwise, you know, someone's going to bash me any moment. Like that's the stuff I think the gems that we can offer our children and education and other environments. I have some questions to end the show with and not very much time. So we're going to have to wriggle through them. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Um, being happy. <laughs> I just, you know, I, I really did think when I started out in my career of potential, right? Oh, I'm going to master all of this stuff. And I'm going to be so happy. Um, and it's going to give me the answer to how to get along and figure everything out. And it doesn't because it's, it's not an outer thing. Um, I, I need to get it starting from within. So I've really, you know, I've had some ups and downs. One thing, like my family line, Māori, like there was a lot of alcoholism. And um, I think I'm really sensitive. So, you know, that was a little struggle for me. But And I kept trying different things, different techniques. Not that I was an alcoholic or anything, but I didn't like what it did to my, how I felt. And I, I just, yeah, I just wake up every morning and just um, the more I can get myself into a, a good state of being and actually find I can be content, then I'm, you're not reaching out for something or overstressing myself. Um, and then I'm, I feel like that's then making me a better person around, like I used to have conflict a bit in work. I used to be the rebel. So often if there was a manager who wasn't treating people well, I was that justice queen, you know, don't you do that. Um, and I would be in and out of jobs, you know. And so I set intention, I would, I would like an awesome boss. And, we're, and, and now I actually have an awesome person who is above me. And I also get along with everybody. And this was just not me in the past. And I think it's because I'm finding peace in myself. And then from that, I'm not expecting. And I'm also trying to let go of all judgment. And it's impossible. But besides, I'm trying to only have a belief anything is possible. And then trying to let go of everything else. I used to actually, I dabbled in religion and I found it so strong about right, wrong, right, wrong. And then I was having conflict. So yeah, I think, um, forgot the question now, but um, yeah, my greatest success. I'm pretty much pretty happy majority of the time, but I'm also comfortable to have a cry and feel flat and actually jump into my cozy flannelette sheet if I, the world is just a bit too hard we are writing a book of these conversations it's called tomorrow's heroes it's our team of people doing good work so you are in that team what's your superpower what's got you into the mansion nature i tap into it this universal power of papatuanuku ranginui and like go whoa <laughs> do you consider yourself to be an activist yes i but four things 
for solution, not anti-anything. Give that energy and it will actually get bigger. What motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Well, for a while, you know, with my kids, I thought, all right, I want to do this eco-village thing so they can live on a cool eco-village. And then it sort of didn't quite work. And then, I'm, and then I had a dream that I grew up in a cool place with some cool parents and some cool community. And I'm like, right, I'm, I'm just going to do this. So if I do come back, I'm going to come back somewhere cool. And so it sounds a bit selfish, but it's going to benefit a lot of people, I'm sure. So I, I'm quite happy, even though I felt like I didn't achieve that for my kids yet there's still chances for the world. So I'm just going to keep doing these things about, you know, having great ways for people, community to connect to nature. And what is the biggest challenge or opportunity that you're looking forward to in the next year or so? Um, This might sound really egotistical, but uh, my sons are old, everything's cool, and I am a bit self-oriented right now. And I'm thinking I never valued money, um, but I do see the value. If if it is the thing that's the what the majority are interested in, I can wield it and use it. So I've got skills, so I'm actually accumulating right now. <laughs> I was terrible with money, and now I'm going, stop it. I'm going to accumulate, and I'm going to use it for good. And I'm just finding, you know, what are those limitations I have around it and what are my things I hate about it? And so that's my big challenge at the moment. Um, I could become a billionaire and actually do some cool stuff with a lot of cool people and a lot of cool things. Indeed. Lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? I don't like giving advice. Um, I, I actually have been avoiding being a leader and I have, I'm avoiding the tell, follow concept. So if I, there was any advice, don't follow anyone. Follow yourself. <laughs> Thank you for that. We'll not listen to that or something. <laughs> <laughs> Mawera. Kirsten, thank you very much for all the uh, amazing work that you're doing. And I am really super looking forward to reading your master's thesis once it's published. And um, I think that you're onto something there. And and the more we can get people to kind of see the world through that lens, the better chance we have of making sure we've got a world to live in. So um, I appreciate you and I appreciate your time today. Thank you very much for joining us. Kia ora. So beautiful beings. Thank you so much. Well, it's cold down here in the water. It's cold down here in the sea. Who'd be a channel swimmer? Only a fool like me. I've greased my body and I'm heading over the ocean. I'll be swimming when you're all asleep I'll be swimming when you're all away I'll do the side stroke, the other side stroke I'll do the butterfly, but I ain't gonna Breaker
of bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We are broadcast on Otago Access Radio every Monday, Wednesday and Friday afternoons at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is 10CC I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Tunisia, with Mawira Karatai in Fatane, and we've been joined from Manly Beach in Sydney by Kirsten McGoldwyn. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. Forget he can't swim This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air.